0: Hello and welcome to the little pre-ramble of the podcast. This is pre-waffle, um, I guess. Um pre-waffle to the waffle. But uh yeah, creative Waffle merch is coming soon, very very soon with Geo Law. We teamed up with Geo Law to create some really really awesome merchandise with this year. Um fantastic stuff. Coming soon, Saturday, the 1st of August, 2020. Check out the social media platforms. Uh, Link will be down in the description next week's podcast. And uh, yeah, you can check it out also on creativewaffle.club slash shop for for the latest updates on that as well. Uh, Another little update on the 1st or next week as well. We'll also be launching... Um, a brand new section to the website, a creative waffle index, which has got a whole host of tools, a whole host of recommended people um resources. And we'll also have loads and loads of discounts that will be added to and updated over time. But that's going to be a really, really powerful tool for the website. Um, a really, a really good place to come and get all of your, your creative, uh, creative bits, creative fulfillment. Um, yeah. So go and check that out when it's out, when, uh, when that is out. So creative waffle on Instagram for all the latest on the updates on that. But uh, yeah, building something special over here at Creative Waffle. I hope you enjoy those bits and uh, and the merchandise, especially on the 1st of August. To keep up with all of it, Creative Waffle on Instagram. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle podcast. Today's episode is with Michael Janda. I'm also joined by Millie Powell and uh, today's episode is a good one, isn't it, really?
1: Yeah, it's really helpful. There's some real gold dust information in there and some really actionable tips on how to work out how much you should be charging, whether you're undercharging at the moment and making enough money to actually make a living as a designer
0: yeah there's some big realizations in this episode um i also figure out an hourly price myself which is nice uh for, which i can't believe i've not done since i've been practicing designer for five years so I'm, yeah crazy but uh, yeah i'm really really pleased we did this podcast and i'm, I'm hopefully we'll have them back uh, on, on the podcast too because um yeah so so useful really really good um enjoy the podcast All right then. Welcome to the podcast. That's it. Right. Thank
2: you. That's it. Do you record uh, do you record an intro afterwards and stuff? Is that yeah? Uh, we do. You do. Yeah, we do. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> good. Well, I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Mark and Millie. Thank you. Thank
1: you for coming on. Yeah, we're really pleased to have you. Yeah, it's Got so loads, good. Millie and I have been chatting
2: off. for months now, it seems like. So we're yeah. insta friends and now real friends
1: yeah insta buddies always yep. flooding my uh, insta posts with all the support so i thank you for that <laughs> appreciate it <laughs> always yeah it's good um and i'm a big fan as well of your uh, podcast that you do with tom ross like the biz buds it's good great for like young designers like us who as we've talking about before obviously don't always find it that easy to do the business sides of running a, a creative business or being a, a creative freelancer as you said, like a lot, of, a lot of people struggle with that, regardless of age and experience. But yeah, we, uh, we definitely do. And that's why we've got loads of questions for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, good. Well, yeah, I love doing that podcast with Tom. It's super fun. And Tom and I have really good synergy between each other. We, th- we think alike on a lot of things. And so it makes it super easy to do a podcast with him and, and uh, build on each other's ideas. So it's, yeah. it's a great, fun project that we're doing together. Yeah, and so I'm good. I'm willing to dig into any questions you might have, and and hopefully give some good, tangible, actionable content for your audience. So thanks for having me on.
0: Nice. Yeah, millie has been reading up on uh, reading your book uh, yeah. last week. I've been watching some videos. Hey, so we definitely uh, <laughs> done some research for it. Good. Um, yeah. Really,
1: well, really good. I, book. I found it really useful. There's so many things that. I've been doing wrong and I think a lot of people do wrong just sort of plucking numbers out of thin air and thinking yeah I'll do I'm sure that'll work and when you actually yeah when you actually think about it and you sit down and you work out the the different costs and your like your burn rate and the production costs and things like that which I do think is difficult when you're young as a designer and you haven't necessarily got like the overheads that an established freelancer would have or obviously a design agency, how would you go about like sort of working out your production costs when you don't necessarily have that many overheads?
2: Yeah, it, it goes to the that second variable is market value in, in the book. So we talk about three different variables. One is production cost, one's market value, and one's client budget. And when you're talking about figuring out your rate, you do wanna compare your hourly rate to the market value which is what are other people like me charging for this same type of work? What does the market bear? What is the threshold that the market will spend for someone like me? And so somebody like you, Millie, recent graduate, um, solo freelancer, you're not an agency, you don't have a bunch of employees, you're not in some big fancy studio. So you need to determine your rate based on what are other people in the UK, in US, in Germany and other countries similar economically to you and similar economically to your clients, what are other, other people charging as, as a rate? And so when you don't have overhead, um, you calculate your production costs still because you do want to know what your bottom number is. Because when your best friend comes to you and wants you to design their wedding invitation, you have to sit back and say, well, I'm not going to overcharge them. But I got to know that I at least have to charge them, you
1: enough know, to make money.
2: $20 an hour or $15 an hour because my costs are so low. I got to at least charge them enough to cover the the time I spend on this. So you can go down low if you want to, but you should lo- be looking at the market value of your work. And it's, you know, what's what do other people charge for an hourly rate? $40, $50, $75 per hour is probably... In that range, $40 to $75 per hour is a, is a good range that you'll find tons and tons of freelancers charging in that threshold. And then you just kind of pick where you want to be in that spectrum, knowing that your costs are $15 per hour. That's what it costs you to do anything. So even if you charge $40 an hour, you're still making like 110% margin on your production cost rate.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's important, and also as you say, like, um, comparing yourself to other people, how would you go about if people aren't necessarily transparent with their prices, how much they're charging? Would you would you I, ask I, people, or is there a place you, that you can go to find out? Yeah,
2: and ball? people are more transparent than what uh, most people think. You have you just graduated from university, so you have five best friends from your studies, right? Super. Good friendly good friends ask them ask them how much they're charging hey what are you charging what's your hourly rate for freelance work or what do you charge for a logo design what are you charging and they'll say oh I'm not really sure what are you charging and then between the two of you you can talk about the numbers and then you then one person will say oh well I heard that John is charging he's charging $800 for a logo Um, oh, and I, and then somebody will say, oh, I heard that Sally is charging $700 for logos. And then you, you and your classmate can start talking about what prices you've heard from other people. This is how you start to understand market value. When you don't have a lot of experience bidding projects and knowing that threshold, when you you find it out, when you're doing projects for clients, you find out what the threshold is because you realize Everybody's green lighting projects at $1,000, but when I upped my price to $1,500, I started getting no's and I started not closing it. So you start to understand this, this budget threshold or the market value threshold. You start to get it when you have experience and you've done this so many projects, but in the early time, talk to your classmates, talk to your friends, talk to other freelancers, you're on this podcast with Mark, talk to Mark and say, hey, Mark, how much you, what do you think people charge in for logos these days? And you just start to get your own market research by talking to people. And don't be afraid to ask them. People are a lot more open to talk about it than I think what most people assume.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think people think it's a bit of a taboo still, I think, about asking. And I don't know if it, it comes across as you're trying to undercut them or trying to remain competitive i don't know i think there's like a there's that worry always in the back of my head that people are going to be like why would i want to tell you how much yeah. <laughs> i'm, like, I'm yeah. charging that's Get my
2: because you'll tell them what you're charging and yeah, it'll help exactly. them I too always it's so like to... yeah you you tell them and they tell you and now everybody starts to have a good sense of what
0: the market bears yeah that's definitely something we just keep talking about is, is pricing in the industry but Again, I, I I do think we not talked about it enough, um, and there's some sort of surveys like you know you see designers and illustrators uh, create surveys each year about how much people are earning or what sort of jobs they're doing for people. Yeah, um, so that's helpful. But yeah, when you talk in friendship groups, I think that's a, the biggest thing. Um, and if you don't have any friends to talk to, there's a podcast we did with Dave Clayton about about making friends. So. Go that good 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 little plug but uh no, yeah i think it'd be beneficial if we started off by saying how much we charged if we're going to be open and honest uh i'll start if, if you don't want it too many. Um, yeah oh nice no, no, good God, i
1: keep changing <laughs> i'm still working this out
0: good
2: well you this can is tell a, yeah. us the ranges of what where you've been working it out that's good that's good mark let's talk about
0: that
1: go on mark you
0: go first yeah and then, and then we can mm-hmm. sort of um yeah well, then we can yeah address ourselves and realize how much we should be charging so um I've, I've been doing freelance stuff for three-ish years now um and you know charged everything from 15 pounds for a full-on brochure to uh <laughs> to you know uh my recent latest job uh 1200 pound for um brand guidelines and uh a logo um which is maybe still not enough maybe it is too much i don't know we'll we'll talk about it but um so yeah it's in in that range and um now that I've got a job, I'm finding myself more comfortable in charging a bit more because I don't have to take on the work, and that's a big thing for me is that um because I'm doing extra work and not having to i get paid for this from this job yeah, from you're not desperate for it, yeah, so I can charge a bit more, I feel more comfortable charging a bit more, whereas when you're yourself you you've got no extra work and no extra income you you want to take all the money you can yeah um, and i've I definitely felt that, that in the past <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah I mean. I mean, if we go by logo design as a standard sort of uh, standard sort of measure for how much we're pricing stuff,
1: yeah, let's do logo design. Uh, <laughs> and I will tell you um, that if I was getting paid twelve hundred pounds to do a logo design, I would probably be bouncing off the walls because that seems so it's out brand of my guidelines reach as well. at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, so, I just did a brand guidelines job. Sorry to jump in. and I'm just going to throw it out there because it sounds silly now. Um, doing a brand like guidelines job, so that's logo, sub logo, um. Some print design patterns, fonts, colours, all all of that sort of tied in. Two hundred fifty pounds. It's my most recent one.
0: Everyone starts right, and um, yeah. so let's let's break down actually what what it is and the, the, what I've been given as well, because that will help rather than just mm-hmm. saying logo design. So it was three concepts. Concept being three mm-hmm. different ideas behind the logo, not just three different versions of the same idea. A um, uh, brand guidelines, twenty five pages. Uh, obviously, some of them are picture images and, and divider pages, but. 25 pages cut goes for everything. Um, you know, type, uh, spacing, print design, spacing, and all sorts, um, social media, extra assets. And then, uh, what else? Yeah. backgrounds, giving them uh, social media headers, that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's quite a lot of stuff still. And it's it's mm. a lot less than an agency would charge for it. Um, but obviously yeah, less, less costs and less, less, uh, worry for money, I guess. Um, yeah. So, yeah what, what about so, you really what's what's your
1: standard yeah so you say you'd start with three logo concepts yeah 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 so i yeah i do four so similar um with an initial mood board step before that as well just to make sure i have the idea right uh, yeah um i did i did purposely price this one though because it was one of those scenarios where i really wanted the client because it would be ongoing work afterwards as well so i did purposely underprice um but yeah so that was logo submark two submark logos um and then pattern design what do you
0: mean submark sorry it's in
1: like an alternate like an alternate type logo is in
2: stacked versus horizontal black and white yeah well like one
1: that's in the circle that you can use for social media profiles and then like sometimes i do like oval shaped ones or like Mm -hmm. just for different Mm -hmm. uses um yeah so two two alternate logos um pattern design font selections and provision Um, color palette and then yeah a brand guidelines document which could be anywhere from like five to 25 pages depending on how much I want to put in it but I can tell you already because I'm one of those people that I'm halfway through this job um, on the concept stage at the moment and I just sent over the the um, logo concept said I'd do four but ended up doing eight just because I had so many ideas (laughs) so already Mm -hmm. doing more work than I should have done and probably I'm already uh, lost because of that so, yeah, perhaps I should be factoring that in.
0: Loves okay. to be
2: discussed. <laughs> and what how, are your and thoughts on d- that, Mike? <laughs> how much did you charge for that, Millie?
1: Two fifty.
2: Two fifty, which th- that's pounds. So pounds to dollars mm-hmm.
1: is probably about three, three fifty.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's just a little bit higher on dollars, right? Yeah. So, um, okay. So my feedback for both of you is that you guys are given so much work for the money. Yeah. <laughs> Sheesh. I've been there. I've been there. I, been there. I mm-hmm. my first freelance job when I got out of college, I charged the client like $250. I did their logo. I built an entire website. I built wow. like I designed and built the whole website. Now this is like late 90s and so it was a different different world back then, but um, I did so much for the client because I was young and hungry and I didn't know where to price things and I wanted the work and I needed the portfolio pieces and so I was just going for it and just charging whatever I thought was a good deal for me what I would be happy making this much money. So that was that was the guiding precept at the start of pricing. It was how much do I need to make to make this worth it for me? Now, mm. there's something that you're both doing that is valuable to you even though your price is low we get value from projects beyond just what the client is paying us you're you just described to me amazing case studies when this project is done and you blow it out in a case study w- the work you're doing will look like it cost five thousand ten thousand dollars of yeah. time because it's, you're doing so much patterns and sub-logos and a 5 yeah, to 25 so page brand guide. I mean, you're doing so much. <laughs> it's going to look like a huge, great project. And that has huge yeah. value to the future of your business to start yeah. upping your rates to future clients. So I think for the listeners of this and for both of you, it's okay to know that the value you're getting from the project, some of it is monetary compensation. 250 yeah. pounds, but the real value is this case study that you're gonna be able to use in your marketing that will allow you to start upping your prices to future clients. And I think we gotta remember that and it makes us feel less bad about the low ball price that we just gave this all this work to a client for.
1: Yeah, well, definitely for people like me, That's obviously just coming out of uni. I am looking for the portfolio building work. I, I want yeah. to, when clients come to me and I know that I'm going to be able to charge a lot of money, I want to be able to say, look, this is a project that I did. This is the result. This is what it did for the business and that sort of thing, which at the moment I can't necessarily show to a client. Yeah. So they're, they're not going to want to pay as much money anyway.
2: Exactly. So, um, okay, so let's talk, let's finish talking about pricing on, on these things. Um, I'll give you the perspective from i outsourced to a lot of freelancers in my agency years i hired a lot of employees and i'll give you the perspective of what i would expect somebody to charge for the type of work that you just described for me so if if i was getting that amount of work for less than two thousand dollars i would think that it was a great deal i would be looking at it saying oh my gosh this is." Man, I can't believe they're doing all this mm-hmm. for less than 2 grand. All the way up to $10,000, $15,000 for that scope of work. At my agency, we were charging $6,000 for a logo design. It was just the logo. It wasn't it wasn't the brand style guide, it wasn't the the patterns and textures and all the things that you described, we weren't doing any of that. It was the logo and the logo family. So yes, the logo and then alternate versions of the logo for smaller stacked or oval or whatever you you were talking about. So we would do the alternate versions as yeah. well. So a logo family, we, we were charging 6,000 or 6,300, something like that. One of the things that we did, i this was at the agency I sold to. So I sold my agency in 2015 went to the new agency, and I started to analyze all of their pricing structure, how they were pricing their projects, their proposals, and I retooled a lot of the operations of their agency. And what I started to do, we had a dedicated bid writer. All he he did was write proposals. That was his whole day, every day. And I worked a lot with him And I I did this analysis of all the logos we had done in the past and how long they took to do and where we were pricing our projects based on other people in the market. And I remember going to him saying, okay, we were charging $5,000 for a logo. I said, every logo from now on is $6,000. We did not green light a smaller percentage of logos from when we changed from five grand to six grand. There was no green light percentage drop as a result of a $1,000 increase in that, which means to me that we were not pushing the market value of the work. When we were charging five grand, every single time we charged five grand for a logo, we were leaving thousand dollars on the table mm. that, that we could have charged the client for. Because when we upped it to six grand, we still greenlit the same percentage of logos that we had before. Then I went to him and, and I said, you know what? this was like the next year, I said every logo that we bid for six grand now is 6,300. We're just gonna do 6,300, that's the number now. Again, not one drop, in not one change in green light percentage to go from six to 6,300. But if you do 50 logos in a year, 50 logos in a year at $300 more each, it's $15,000 more income to your agency. So just these little things, um, these little increases can mean a huge amount to your bottom line. So my recommendation to all the people listening to this is watch your green light percentage. So every single logo that you do, define what that project is. Let's just say it's a logo. So you have 10 logos that you did last year. How many of them did you green light? Nine out of the ten. At what price? Let's say it was five hundred dollars per logo. So at five hundred dollars, I'm greenlighting nine out of ten logos. That to me says that you're not charging enough. Right. That you have you're greenlighting too many. You're better off greenlighting five out of ten, fifty percent, at one thousand dollars and do less work for the same amount of total income.
1: Yeah, that makes and sense. It's almost like a process, like a trial and error type.
2: It is. Try trial something,
1: and error. see how it works. If it's working too well, put <laughs> your prices up. while yeah. Not working well enough, put them back down again.
2: Yeah, and for Just both of you, the... I would say right now, this very second, add fifty percent to every <laughs> price that you <laughs> offer. So if you were going to bid two hundred and fifty pounds, you're now going to yeah. bid three hundred and seventy-five pounds for the exact same work, and you're going to make fifty percent more money, and you're not going to see any difference in the in the green light percentage. You're still going to get all the same quantity of projects that you got before. You're just going to be making fifty percent more money.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's confidence, isn't it? Like, I mean, first of all, just to just to clarify, green lighting does that that means take. Getting the takes on the project, yeah. yeah getting approval, ahead.
2: winning the project.
0: Cool, yeah. cool. Yeah. So, I, for, for me, not charging more is down to a confidence thing. Um, yeah. Whatever the price, whatever stage of your pricing, um, how 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 do we become more confident in that? So like, it, you say it adds, comes
2: from understanding your numbers, and that of my pricing book, um, price creative services with confidence is the subline. And win more bids, make more money. Though That's the subline. Price creative services with confidence. Win more bids, make more money. Pricing creative services with confidence has everything to do with understanding your numbers. And if you know that all your friends from uni are charging $1,000 for a logo because you talk to them and ask them, and you know that you had four clients who greenlit a logo for you for $1,000, your last four clients, and then you sit down with a new client, you are very confident in saying to the new client, I charge $1,000 for logos. You're confident because you know that your four friends from uni charge that, and your last four projects, you charge that and won the project. Now, all of a sudden, your confidence goes through the roof because you understand your numbers, you understand market value, you understand what you your green light numbers from the past. You have experience that tells you that this is the right price. This is a safe price for who I am as a freelancer. So you got to understand your numbers. That's the, the thing. And when you don't, then you sit in the table and you're like afraid. You're afraid to give the client a number. You're afraid to say anything because you don't know. You don't know.
1: I suppose when you Mm. understand the numbers, you can justify why you're charging that much. Yeah. And you know, it costs me this much to do it. I know that other people are are charging this much.
2: Exactly. And
1: I know that if you were to go to someone else, they would charge you this much. Exactly. And you can sit down and be like, this is a fair price to ask for. Whereas when you're just picking a number out, out of the air and you don't know what, whether it's you should have charged five hundred pound or five grand for something, exactly. Then yes. yeah, the confidence is just It's just not there bottom. at all. Yep. Yeah.
0: So the penny is half dropped for me because I, re- I really like that and that's <clears throat> maybe made a lot of sense. But the other part of it is <clears throat> how being honest with. Okay, so I might I may talk to Millie or I may talk to people that I've, I I know my you know, my friends and um, doing sports design illustrations and that sort of stuff. And I I think their works like ten times better than mine. So then what? Because someone isn't going to pay maybe that's when they don't get the job but maybe like someone's going to pay different amounts for different things so i'm not going to buy a coffee at starbucks and pay the same price as as a local corner shop sort of thing
2: yeah so okay so let's talk about that for a second i have a hierarchy of why people buy and at the bottom of the hierarchy is price so the very bottom of this pyramid the pyramid of why people buy price is the very bottom Some people don't go to Starbucks because it costs more than going to the gas station, or what do you probably call it, the Petro station? What do you guys call it? (laughs) The petrol station. Petro
1: station.
2: (laughs) So you you go to the Petro station uh, to get your cup of coffee and it's way cheaper than Starbucks. And some people don't care about Starbucks because they're happy to pay less for the Petro station coffee. (laughs) <laughs> They're price shopping. And it is the very bottom of the reason why people buy is based on price. The next tier up on that is that people will buy for convenience. They will pay more money because it's easier to get or it can hit a certain timeline. So take, for example, you have 15 minutes between meetings and the nearest Petro station is a mile away and Starbucks is right next door to where you're standing. You will pay more because you only have 15 minutes, you'll pay more to get your Starbucks coffee because it's right there convenient rather than drive to go get the, the cheaper coffee at the Petro station. Now, if you had five hours of time you drive the extra mile and save your $2 on your on your coffee and go to the petrol station but you didn't have it so convenience you pay more for convenience and in inside of design creative services we see this when people one designer can hit a deadline and the other one can't the client will pay more to the designer who can hit the deadline rather than the one who can't hit the deadline the deadline is friday one designer can do it for by Friday for $1,000. The other designer can do it on Monday for $500, but the client has to have it on Friday, so they'll pay $1,000 to get it on their deadline rather than wait two or three more days for Monday. So convenience is the next one up on what people pay. So price, then convenience. The next tier up is quality. People will pay more for higher quality than for lower quality. They will pay more for higher quality. Now, if you if you produce better quality than the other people who are like you and the client does not care about quality, all they care about is price, then they're still going to buy the lowest price. They're going to buy the cheap price. Some people are price shopping and even though your quality is better, they're not going to pay it. Mark is this with his coffee. He, <sighs> Starbucks coffee is arguably better than the Petro Station coffee, but Mark doesn't care. He just wants the cheapest price. He's price shopping. Starbucks can't convert Mark because Mark is no. a price shopper with his coffee. <laughs> He's a price shopper with his coffee. Okay. Mm-hmm. The next tier up above quality is Relationship. If you have a relationship with the client, they will pay more to purchase from you than if you don't have relationship. And I talk a ton about relationship marketing. Tom and I have hammered on this in the BizBuds podcast, but relationships, my whole business was built on relationships. It was these clients who became my friends and they loved working with me and they would, I had clients that would literally make up projects to send to us, (laughs) <laughs> so that they could spend their annual budget. They would say, I, I had one client come to me once and say, hey, we have, we have 20 grand left in our budget this year. What do you think we should do? I wanna spend it with your agency. And man, it was the relationship that was everything on, on that. They bought from me because I had a relationship with them. Now let's go back to the Petro Coffee example. If Mark, are you married, Mark? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Okay. So if Mark, (laughs) if Mark and the cute barista at Starbucks had a flirty relationship, Mark would go to Starbucks every day because he liked building this relationship with the flirty barista who knows him by name and they have their little banter and it's part of his flow of his day. And he's going to go there because he has a relationship with the person who works there and he will pay more because of that relationship. He'll pay more to the uh, to buy the higher priced coffee. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a, how that happens in relationships in design. And this is why you've got to build relationships. They don't have to be flirty relationships or anything <laughs> like that. They can just be genuine friend relationships, genuine connections as friends with your clients but they will pay more to work with you and they will green light projects with you because of that relationship. And then at the top of this pyramid is reputation. If you're selling based on reputation, then you open the door to huge dollar projects. Let's take Michael Beirut and Pentagram. Michael Beirut has built a reputation over years and years, decades of time and works at one of the coveted cool agencies in Manhattan and they can charge a million dollars. I'm not kidding. They can charge a million dollars for the scope of work that Millie just described to us (laughs) right now that she's charging 250 (laughs) pounds for. Why can Michael Beirut, why can Michael Beirut charge a million dollars for that? and Millie can charge 250 pounds, it's because Michael Beirut has reputation.
1: It's because he's Michael Beirut, yeah. (laughs) It's Exactly,
2: it's because he's Michael Beirut. It's not even necessarily because he does better quality work. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But it is the reputation that people will buy. And then when you get to that top of that pyramid, people who are reputation shopping, they don't care about price, they'll wait longer, to get it, they don't care about convenience. They'll wait five months to get it from Michael Beirut instead of Millie being able to do it by next week. So they don't care about that. They don't care about quality. They perceive that Michael Beirut's quality is gonna be high-end and Millie's quality is gonna be high-end. Quality isn't the differentiator. They do care about quality, but it's not the differentiator in their decision. And they don't care about relationship. Because if you have the budget to play in the reputation game as a client, then you don't care if your best friend owns an agency, you have the budget big enough to use Michael Beirut. You're gonna use that for the Michael Beirut budget if you're reputation shopping. So this mm-hmm. is kind of the hierarchy. And once we understand this, then you start looking at your clients a little differently and you can say to yourself, why is this person buying from me? Are they buying from me because I'm the cheapest price? Are they buying from me because they believe that I produce higher quality than the other people bidding on it? Are they buying from me because I answered the phone and everybody else didn't, it went to voicemail, so I'm convenient because I answered the phone when they called. Are they buying from me because they're my friend from uni and now they're a creative director at some agency and they're kicking freelance work out Millie, you're going to have this in your future when your best friend from uni is a creative director at some cool agency, and all of a sudden you start getting a ton of freelance work from this person because you're best friends. Yeah. So, th- and, Mark, and Mark can't win that project because Mark doesn't know that person. Maybe Mark even does better work than you, but Mark is not going to win that project because you and Sally are best friends and she's the decision maker over there. This is what happens in the future of your of your business as a freelancer. Over time, you build a reputation and then it opens up the doors to start charging much higher prices for the work that you're doing. Uh, you become a Draplin. How much does Draplin, Aaron Draplin, charge for logos? How much would Aaron Draplin charge for the project that Millie just outlined for us for $250?
1: So I don't even want to
2: think about it. <laughs> At least a hundred grand. I w- if yeah. he's not charging a hundred grand for that, he's undercharging
0: his market value.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's,
0: that's really interesting. And like and you say, it's, it's made me think about what the clients I'm working with and um, I think what- Why they're, especially... why they're
1: coming to us. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now yeah. here,
2: here's something to think about in this hierarchy. If you think of this hierarchy, what do you have right now as a brand new student out of university well you can play the convenience game you can play the price game you can sometimes play the quality game but if you have a certain design quality and somebody else with 10 years of experience has the same design quality and the same price who's going to win yeah,
1: the person the with the experience so comes into that quality exactly
2: it comes in art. You can sometimes play the relationship game, but you're not in the reputation game yet. You haven't gotten there yet. So over the next 10 years, 20 years, you're going to be building a network of people. You're going to be building a lot of relationships. You're going to be building your reputation and your prices will continue to go up, up, up. But right now you're in a situation where most of the time you have to play the price game. You, you don't have anything else to offer in the eyes of the client as the differentiator between you and somebody else. They're gonna say, okay, quality check, convenience check. They, they do quality and they do convenience. Why should I hire Millie over John when John has 10 years of experience and a little agency with two employees and Millie is just by herself a recent graduate the only reason that you're going to win the project is because you are at least $1 cheaper than John. You have to start, you have to play the price game a little bit at the start of getting freelance work because it is the differentiator between you and the other people because you don't have the other boxes checked that are higher up on the hierarchy. That really makes a
1: lot stuff. of sense. Yeah. There's when you when you break it down like that and you realize because my question was going to be while you were saying all of that sort of how do you how do you raise your prices above the sort of prices that i was describing and mark was describing when for a lot of freelancers and young designers your clients are going to be small local businesses they're not going to want to pay 10 grand for that sort of package they're going to want to pay 200 quid for it they're not going to they're not going to have that sort of budget but then i suppose once you have the reputation and you have the relationships with the bigger companies and yeah. your quality of work goes up i suppose so does your audience and your, your yeah client base. so does
2: your price yeah. and and demand so let's talk a, a bit about supply and demand supply and demand is like the e- economic principle number one that we have to understand and if right now millie said i don't have I i don't have a lot of work i i would do i would do whatever for for 200 quid I, I love that word quid, by the way, um, so it's <laughs> kind of like the, it. it's like the British version of bucks for yeah. dollars. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, so Millie so Millie doesn't have a lot of demand. So her supply is bigger, which means her price is lower. She has a lot of supply and low demand. So her price is lower. Now, as Millie says yes to more and more projects and starts getting more and more things coming in, and then her supply is less, her time to do work mm-hmm. is smaller, all of a sudden, by nature, her prices go up.
1: Yeah, because as desperate to get you your job. You're not desperate. Yeah,
2: you're not desperate. Which I'm
1: starting to notice already, and I've only been full-time freelancing for a couple of months. And I've already exactly. noticed because I've taken so many of these smaller jobs that I've perhaps <laughs> underpriced that... When new jobs come in, I'm quite happy to price them higher because I'm not so exactly. reliant on getting them.
2: It's supply and demand 101, and, and mm-hmm. you're seeing it. And that's what that will happen in your business over time. So I think a big takeaway for the people listening here is don't feel bad when you're playing the pricing game at the start. Don't feel bad that you're reducing your prices to fill up your supply so that you can have enough work you can increase demand by charging less, you increase demand for your services. And then as demand increases, you increase your prices mm-hmm. to slow okay. down demand. And yeah, you're balancing this out over time and your prices continue to go up, up, up. And you just are playing that game, but you gotta start it somewhere. And you're, you're right now graduated out of uni, you've been doing the freelance for a few months and you're starting to start to see some more demand so you can increase your prices over time as a result of that I think the people get in trouble when they don't increase their prices and then they're just running around like the headless chicken thinking oh no how am I gonna get all this done because they're they haven't upped their prices to slow down demand they just keep saying yes 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 and they get so much work that they can't get it all done the quality suffers they, they run into problems like that uh, but in, in As long as you increase your prices over time to balance out supply and demand, then what you're charging 250 quid for now in a year is going to be 2,000 quid. You like oh, when I say quid, right. right? Don't I? <laughs> I yeah, sound like good. such an American when I, when I talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, is, this is making a lot of sense. This might be the clearest conversation I've ever heard about the pricing. Yeah, um, definitely. It's made a lot of sense to me. Um,
1: Making so, yeah, a things click.
0: <laughs> good, yeah. Um, market value. Uh, what? What do you know? What the current market value is for a 20, 20 odd year old? <laughs> okay,
2: what's the market value <laughs> for a twenty year old? Um, <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that on uh, um, okay on hourly rates or um, logo prices or what? What are we talking about?
1: Uh,
0: well, I know you don't like hourly rates. What? you don't like hourly charging hourly?
2: Yeah, but it, but it's a good baseline to understand market value. Sometimes it's to yeah. Say, I suppose okay, you've
1: got to have your, your burn rate and yeah, that sort of stuff. So
2: yeah, well, okay. So let me just I, I, spitball some numbers to you. So if okay. I were at my agency and I was outsourcing work to a recent graduate in the UK, I would I would think okay, UK prices. This would be my mindset. I would think to myself, UK prices are gonna be similar to US prices for hourly rates. I Somebody with a little bit of experience out of university, they just kinda of graduated and they're just getting started, I probably would think, I expect them to come in probably around 40 or $50 per hour in the rate that they would be charging to my agency. That would be the number that I would expect. And then I probably would look at it and say, okay, 60, $60 an hour on the higher end, and maybe some of them who don't understand their numbers very well, maybe they're $25 or $30 an hour. That's where I would be thinking. Okay,
1: so, okay, so. Are you hiring Mark, any jobs? Mark raises <laughs> <Yeah>. his hand.
2: <laughs> Mark raises his hand and confesses his uh, lower end of that rate.
1: Yeah, I was too um, embarrassed,
2: too. <laughs> yeah, Millie thought it, but didn't raise her hand. The, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so th- that's the rate. Now, this is this is how a, an agency outsourcing looks at it, because at my agency, my hourly burn rate, the cost to run our business was seventy eight dollars per hour. That was my bottom cost. I wasn't making a, a penny off of the project unless I was charging $79 per hour or more. So our hourly rate at my agency, we were charging 120 for a while, then 140 for, per hour for hourly based stuff. So it goes up over time based on your production costs. But me at an agency with, um, burn rate, if we were charging $100 per hour, I was only making $22 per hour on the work that people were doing, $22 an hour. You could charge $30 an hour and probably make $22 an hour of profit because your burn rate is probably $8 an hour. It's not very expensive. You don't have a high cost of living. You don't have a bunch of employees and things. So you can make the same profit as an agency, even though it's at a lower rate. And I think this is something to to remember when you're pricing your work that even though it's thirty dollars an hour, forty dollars an hour, you might still have the same hourly profit margin that an agency does with ten employees that's yeah. charging one hundred and ten dollars an hour. So, so. So don't feel so bad about the hourly rate that you're charging that it's low in the market. Think about your profit percentage in that hourly rate and compare your profit percentage or your profit dollars in that rate compared to other people out there. And a lot of times you're very similar, very similar. These agents or these freelancers that are charging 60 bucks an hour and they have $15 an hour of cost and they're making $45 an hour of profit, that's that's a good business. And that's a better business than a lot of agencies out there that cost $80 an hour and are billing $110 an hour. They're making less per hour in profit than the freelancer, than the solo freelancer. So, okay, so that so that was a long-winded answer to the question, where would I perceive rates from an outsourced perspective the next thing that i do is i look at it and i say i know my agency burn rate is $78 per hour and if i can hire mark for 40 bucks an hour i'm actually making more money off of mark than i'm making off of my internal teams my internal employees because my burn rate is so high yeah. so mark costs me less than my internal people cost me to produce work and that has a lot of appeal so when you're pricing things to agencies for example you can come in even though you're higher in market rate than what a client might charge you you're still so much less than the agency rate that it makes sense for them to hire you yeah so those are just a few thoughts on
1: good thing to think about
2: on uh on that, that does... so I, yeah go ahead Millie. sorry I'm
1: on you go I was going to check. Completely change the subject. No, good. <laughs> change the
2: subject, or I'll just keep <laughs> rambling on about random prices and no, pricing it things. Remind <laughs>
1: me of something that I did really want to ask you. Um, obviously, uh, a lot in your book you say about extracting client budget. Mm-hmm. Now, as you just said, businesses want to make money and they want to, they want to get things for as low as they can. Mm-hmm. So, how do you know when you're extracting a client budget, whether you ask them or you? I don't know, throw a ballpark number out and say, does this fit for you? How do you know that they're being honest and they're not just trying to get a really good deal?
2: It it shouldn't matter to you as right. long as you, if you understand as as- your market value and your production cost, then if if they're getting a better deal than what their budget is, I look at that and I say, good, because yeah. now they have extra budget to give me more projects. As long as I'm confident in my profitability, yeah. And if I'm confident in the profitability on my number, then I don't care if it's if they save $3,000 of budget that they were planning to spend. I'm not a fan mm-hmm. of Jedi mind tricks trying to extract <laughs> every little penny I can out of the client on this job and you know the those the mind games of that. I hate that stuff. If I'm comfortable with my profit number, then I'm going to go into the project happy. And even though the client maybe is saving based on what they had originally budgeted, I'll just look at that as, okay, I just got, I came in $3,000 under what the client budget was. For me, the client is going to love me $3,000 more because I saved them $3,000. So I just bought, in the sacrifice of income, I bought increased loyalty and love from adoration from the client and yeah. that has value to me going back to the the idea that we talked about at the start there are other things other than monetary compensation that have value to you as a designer and love and adoration and being known as a go-to affordable solution for a client that's yeah. huge value moving forward for long term you'll
1: be out competitors as well totally be, yeah if they've, because if the they've next been project. honest about their budget and
2: and you're being honest about your price you're being honest you're not gouging them you're not trying to extract every little nickel you can out of them you're being honest they're being honest they're gonna love you and then the next project that comes around guess what they got three bids on the project you just won the next project that comes around they get one bid and it's millie they're like oh find out how much Millie's going to charge for this because they they're committed to you now because and you're the one choice instead of 1 out of 3. So there's there's tons of value in that in the future of your business to land clients in that kind of that kind of position. And I did a ton of that at my agency too. I had clients that were 10 years, 15 year long clients. Some of my very first clients, I was still doing work for them 13, 14 years later. And they were the very first client I ever had. Uh, and it was because of that because it was just operating from a place of integrity and honesty on my numbers. I wasn't trying to gouge them for every penny I could. I would come in under budget when I could for them, even though it was less than what I could have charged. I still was making plenty of profit on it. And I never felt bad about that. Yeah, that's great.
1: I think that's really I, important. I that the... Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's really important. The whole idea of being affordable, but also knowing and being confident in yourself that you're charging enough. Yeah, <laughs> you got to get that a balance right because obviously it's so easy to say, okay, right, I'm going to be way under budget for everyone. Then and then only charge two fifty for logo. And, <laughs> logo and then like you like become
2: then you become a Fiverr designer. And Fiverr designer, the, yeah. the challenge with Fiverr um, as an example is that people everybody there is price shopping. So it's yeah. what they call a race to the bottom. It's that you get ten bids, and one is. 80, the next one 79, the next one 78, the next one 77, all the way down to $70. The $70 person wins, wins
1: because cause... the
2: people on there are price shopping. Exactly. And you, you don't want to play that game. So you got to get yourself out of the price, the price game in our hierarchy. You got to get yourself out of that mm-hmm. as soon as you can in your business. And but, become valued
1: fit the other things. Yeah.
2: Exactly. But let's go back to supply and demand. If you're marketing yourself on Fiverr, you have no demand from anywhere else, all you have is supply, then you're gonna play the price game and market yourself on Fiverr and bring in anything you can to have some demand so that you can start upping your costs over time.
0: Okay. So uh, once you've got uh, um uh, an, an okay level how would you get out out of the pricing game then is it is it just keep doing work and and keep building up relationships local area and get get more knowing in your local area and then eventually work with more people and then you can keep going up i don't really
2: yes it's a great it's a great description <laughs> that's exactly it you, yeah It it this happens organically rock. it happens organically over time Uh, you, so, so first of all, you should be increasing your time, your prices over time based on supply and demand, more, more demand means you start charging more to slow down the demand. And that's good. Um, let me give you an example. I was green lighting at my agency. I tracked it for the whole run of my agency. I sold, I sold my agency at 13 years and in year one to 13, I greenlit 61% of the projects that we bid, 61%. That's a good number because I don't want it to be higher. If it was higher, then I probably was charging too low and I was the deal for everybody because I was greenlighting 90% of the work that I bid. So I don't want it to be higher, but if it's lower, then I'm probably charging too high for the type of clients that I'm attracting So I feel like somewhere between like this 50 and 70% is a good range of where you should win your projects, what you should, the percentage you should win. And over time, you should be tracking that number. You should know that number for your business. What's your win-loss ratio for your business from year one? And Millie, you're just getting started now. Start tracking this now And you're gonna have a story to understand about your business in five years. You're gonna be able to see what your five-year win-loss ratio is. And you're gonna be able to check it every quarter or once a year. You can check that and see, oh man, I'm green lighting 90% of the projects. You know what? I better up my prices so I scale that down to about 60% because that's a healthier number. 60% is healthier than 90% because 90% says you're leaving a ton of money on the table. By not but then it could also enough.
1: be Is there an argument to be made that it's not necessarily price that is winning or losing you? Those
2: it could be, um, but I would guess that so you gotta it's a case by case basis, it's it's yeah. you gotta do your analysis. Mm-hmm. Price is most often the determining factor, yeah. For I suppose
1: every other thing, whether it's the experience that you've got, the quality of your work, those yeah. things will then. Improve pack the price anyway so say if someone comes back to you and says good. oh you haven't got enough experience for how much you're charging then you should have charged lower yeah, essentially good, good, so even good, though it was, the, it was the experience it was the price that was then too high based on that
2: yeah that's good. It's a good example okay good
0: <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, there's one thing that i'd like to do if, if, uh, if I for like the last bit of the podcast is, is do it like go through a potential uh, like a scenario so like I don't know. I don't know if I want to be. The, I don't know if I could be the client and someone else be the the designer trying to price the project. Good. Um, but I think this would be really useful to people listening. Uh, so, okay, I'll go for the. I'll, I'll be the designer person, right? So Okay. My overheads. Uh, I'm living at home, working, um, another job. But say that I don't have the other job. All right, I'm Millie. I'm uh, okay. Millie. You to do this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Mark man. is Millie. Just like I gotta yeah. know who's
2: who, uh, and pretty pretty then I'll be Mark. <laughs> And <laughs> Millie can be me. All right, let's go. All right, no, I mean, I'm
1: Millie, you be the you. <laughs> you be the designer. Right,
0: but, yeah. Right. I'll be the
1: designer.
2: Okay,
0: but in in general, like we're young, we young people living at home. We don't, you know, don't have any overheads at all really, apart from what we want to go out and spend as discretionary spending, sort of cinema, takeaway food, a friend going out with friends. Don't I, maybe you I have rent to pay? Okay, what's that? I pay 150 pounds a month, which is nothing for my to my parents. So that's pretty much nothing. Right. Okay. So say that's my overhead a month. That's it pretty much. I don't have to pay electric, I don't have to pay water, I don't have to pay for food unless I want to buy food. Uh mm-hmm. so client comes in. Okay. Um yeah. Now okay, what? so
2: let me so let me take you down. I'll take you through um this price price strategy. Okay. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. All right. So client comes in and they want a logo. Client comes in, they want a logo. And then Mark has a conversation with the client and says, okay, let's, let's talk about your logo. Let's talk about your business. Let's talk about the needs you have. And Mark does a discovery session with this logo, with this logo client. And then Mark says, okay, great. I'm going to work up some numbers and I'm going to give you a price and I'm going to present a proposal to you on Friday if you're available. Let's have another Zoom call. Okay, then Mark goes back to his office and he says okay i've got to figure out my price now the first thing mark is going to do he's going to calculate his production cost and he's going to do this based on his overhead right now which is 150 quid per month um, Yes, yeah, like right Ridiculous. That, yeah. so if we multiply that by 12 mark's life costs him 1800 quid per year
0: <laughs>
1: that's mad, isn't
2: it? That's mad. That's 1,800 really quid per year. Now Mark, how you <laughs> Now Mark yeah. is going to divide this number by 2,080. And that is going to tell Mark what his hourly burn rate is, what his cost per hour to sit in his chair at 40 hours per week, 52 weeks a year. This is how much Mark costs. And it's 86 cents. What do you call cents in in pence 86 pennies pence (laughs) pence pence 86 pence so that mark has the lowest overhead of any human in the world (laughs) pretty much so so mark um 86 pence now mark is going to say okay i've got to figure out my production cost to produce this logo how long, Mark, would you spend on a logo project that we
0: just invented yeah. here? You also know, so no what? I've just realized I've got other, other costs to take into factor. Like Adobe. Adobe okay, so Adobe. he doesn't want to be
2: just so cheap. Let's just do this for just... <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got other costs. Yeah, you have software yeah. subscriptions and computers and things like that. So let's round gonna, not going to
1: be more than like two pounds.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's round up and it's two pounds. So Mark costs two pounds per hour in his production costs. So that's what we're <laughs> going to round up just for the sake of this. Now, how long are you going to spend
0: on a logo, Mark? Uh Good question. This is another thing I don't think a lot of people have in,
1: yeah. like, in mind. And I'll go, oh just yeah, a logo will take me sort of like needs. three hours, and then it doesn't. It takes me like three days
0: yeah. because of yeah. all the extra okay. stuff
1: that I haven't factored in.
2: Let's mm-hmm. use that. Let's use three days, so 24 hours of production time. Now, 24... 24- okay times two is 48 pounds. That's Mark's production cost on this logo, which means Mark can make a profit as long as he charges 48, 49 pounds or more. Now the reason we don't use this as our only variable when we price things is because obviously that is way too low. If Mark was charging 49 pounds for a logo, he is competing with the very bottom priced people in all the world. And Mark doesn't want to play that game. Mark brings more value to the table than the, than that. Mark has great design skills, a degree. He knows what he's doing. He has way more value. Almost. Okay,
1: <laughs> we're, <agree>. we're pretending.
2: <laughs> we're still pretending. So Mark has way more value. So he's not gonna charge 48 pounds on this logo. Now he needs to take into account another variable. The other variable is market value. We started talking about this earlier. So what do other people like you, Mark, charge for logos? We know Maybe Millie. What
0: you charge for logo? Yeah.
1: Oh, don't ask me because you're going to laugh at me. I don't know. I would say other people who tell me what I should be charging. Okay, good. Would charge anywhere from 500 pounds to a thousand pounds. Okay, like so it. let's
2: use 500 pounds as our market value of what other people like you charge. Now, Mark, what is, what is the average price of logos you've done in the past? Uh, that, that a client has approved uh, that you've won the project.
0: Yeah, three okay, more recently three three hundred to, to five hundred, yeah, for just the logo, yeah.
2: Okay, so three hundred to five hundred. Well let's use let's use five hundred there. So that's just validation of what Millie said. Five hundred to a thousand. Mark has gotten logos approved at five hundred. So we're gonna use five hundred as our as our market value number. So we have two numbers now. We have production cost is forty eight, and we have market value is five hundred. Now Mark is gonna ask the client for the third variable. The third variable is what is the client's budget? And you know this because in the meeting, you have this discovery meeting, you talk to the client and you say, oh, tell me about your business and tell me about your customers and tell me about your products and um, tell me about other marketing things you've done and blah, blah, blah. You ask all these kinds of questions. And then at the end of that conversation, you say, all right, well, this is great information. I love this. We're super excited to rebrand your company. What budget do you have allocated for this? Because I get the sense that you're trying to do this on a budget. We wanna make sure that we're bidding this in a, in a range that you are comfortable with. And then the client says, oh, well, I don't really wanna tell you my budget because mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I wanted to just find out what you would charge. That's what the client will say to you. Then yep. you say to the client, "I have and I have more ways to extract the budget that I've shared in some videos and stuff, but I'll just do, we would just jump right to saying to the client, okay, I understand that. Well, let me just throw out to, the, to you the number. The last project that we did what, like this was 500 quid. And then I know that I have a lot of designer friends and I know that they're all charging somewhere between a thousand quid and 500 quid, somewhere in that range. Is that a budget range that you're comfortable with? Now you've set a number first, and now the client will give you some response to that number. Usually their response is either, oh yeah, that's, that's perfect, that's great, 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 that's perfect, that'll work for us. Or it'll be, oh, you know what? That's, that's a lot higher than what we were hoping to spend. We were actually hoping to do it for 200 quid. That's what they'll say. So one of those two responses is usually the response you'll get from the client but you asked. Now, if the client says, oh, it's 200 quid, then we put the client's budget at 200 for that variable. If the client says, oh yeah, I'm comfortable with that, 500 to 1,000, that's good range for us, then you know, okay, good, client budget, we can say 750. So you just base off of that. Now let's assume that the client is cheap. And they said, no, no, you know what, that's a little higher. We want to be 200 quid. Now you have Your production cost is $48. That's variable number one. Variable number two is market value is $500. And variable number three is the client wants to spend $200 or 200 quid on this project. So you have those three variables, 48, 500 and 200. Now you choose where you want to price your project. You can say, okay, well, I know I really supply and demand. I have no other projects right now, I'm empty, I need something, I'll bid it for 200 and I know that I'm still gonna make 152 quid on this project because my production cost is so low to produce it. So I'm gonna make money off of it, profitable, great, I'm happy, I'll make profit, I'll bid it at the client's budget. But if supply and demand says I'm super busy, I don't know how I'm gonna get this fit this thing in, client cheap client 200 quid and i don't even have time to go to the restroom how am i going to fit this thing in my life well then you say to the client okay well client i know i know you want to do this logo for 200 quid but really we can't hit that low of a price we need to be 500 quid that's where we've been bidding and landing projects in the past we really need to be in that range so here's my proposal for 500 quid we would love to work with you And if the client wants to work with you bad enough, then they're gonna pay a premium to work with you compared to their budget. But this is the mental game that you use to price your work based on these three variables. But if you don't know those three variables, if you don't know those numbers, you're just pulling numbers out of thin air. You don't know if you're gonna be profitable. You don't know what other people are charging. You're just guessing on the whole thing and you have no confidence in your number. At least with this, you'll know that the client yeah. is under under market value, but you know you still can make a profit on them. So that's, that's really interesting. Those, that's those, the, those, the mental process. Go ahead, yeah, Millie. Sorry,
1: I'm in, just those three variables. I think I know from personal experience, and obviously, and um, speaking to other young designers, like friends from uni or people that I've met through the creative community, people don't think about those three things. Like, mm-hmm. they might think about one, maybe two, if you're lucky, but i yeah. think that's so key to think of all three it's like really as you say it's like a process yeah yeah it's yeah. really important it is really good advice really actually good
2: mark is mark is right now writing down <laughs> a new pricing strategy he's like i gotta get this down he's he's making a whole new pricing strategy for his
0: business right now as we talk Not revolutionized <laughs> I, I,
1: yeah
0: i am i am um I'm trying to work it out. So in a in a couple of years' time, obviously, I want to be moved out. I want to be uh, in the real in the real world, in the big wide world. Yeah. World, yeah. Um, living living in my own place, and I've you know roughly say two grand a month is what I'll be spending on things, rent, yeah. uh renting and food and everything. That's a more realistic number, right? Start, so, yeah.
2: Start charging that now. Right. That's exactly it. your your market value. So your or your uh, production cost. So two thousand times forty or oops, oops, two thousand a month times 12 is 2400 or 2400 quid tw- 24,000 quid so what we say <laughs> okay so divided by 2080 and your your production cost hourly rate your hourly burn rate is 11 dollars or 11 quid and 50 pence
1: even then that doesn't sound as much as you it's expect not. it to be no.
2: exactly it's it's not now, that's, so that's if- only taken into account that you're that takes into account that you're working 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a, a year, which is not mm-hmm. realistic. And in, in my book, I say, OK, this is the quickest, easiest calculation, but we're really going to break that down differently. And let's say that you only work 50 percent of the year instead of of. 100% of the year. You take a vacation, you have other things that you're doing. So we're going to multiply that by 2 and you can say that your hourly burn rate is $23 per hour. And that means that you're working 4 hours 4 hours per day 52 weeks per year. That's what you're working. Mm-hmm. And of billable time, of billable yeah. time. So that's more realistic. Now you say, okay, $23 per hour is my bottom number. Now I'm gonna multiply that by the 24 hours to do this logo and my production cost on the logo is $553. Now you look at it and say, oh man, I'm way undercharging. If I'm only charging 500 bucks for a logo, I'm losing $53 every time I do a logo for a client. I'm losing 53 bucks. I've gotta up my prices.
1: It's so interesting to so think of the, it that way. It's just gold
2: dust. Yeah, it it's really the, is. It's just the numbers. The numbers tell you the whole story of yeah. what you need to know for your business.
1: I think so, it's creative. So we're just so terrified of numbers. I know. They, we uh, just don't.
2: They'll just go so away if we true. don't think
1: about it. Yeah. Which, yeah, maybe. when you're working for yourself, it's just... <laughs> so true. You can't think of it that Yeah. It When you actually break it down and think of it like that, it makes so much sense. And then you, you immediately think, well, well, now I know what I should be charging.
2: Exactly. No, <laughs> and you're like... before
1: it seemed like something that nobody knew that I would never know. It was like yeah. something invented by the Illuminati, how to price things. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but now, really now not, it shows you, okay, crazy. so
2: 500 to 1,000, let's look at market value. Now 500 to 1,000 on logos, that sounds exactly spot on because if your cost is 500 bucks to make it, then to be profitable, you're gonna wanna charge 750, which is a 50% markup or 1,000, which is a 100% markup, and that's good. And you should.
0: So we should be doing 50 to, to 100% markup.
2: Okay, so I I recommend, good, this is a good another question. I recommend a minimum of a 30% markup, and then you go up from there. And I had okay. projects that were 200% markup, I mean, we and I never felt bad about wow. it. it. Because sometimes clients paying for your expertise and for the quality and they're paying for the value that you're gonna to bring to their business, Your new logo, if it puts new people into their restaurant, then it has huge value to them. Yeah. So they're gonna make their money quick off of that. So um, yeah, so 30%. So if you said, if you're doing a $500, if it costs you $500 to make a logo, and you times it by 30%, you're gonna charge 650 for a logo as your bottom logo price. 650 bucks. And that's if you're going to spend 24 hours total production time on the project. If you are going to cost 24 grand a year, 24,000 quid per year, you're going to be charging for logos a minimum of $650 on up from there. And if you can charge $5,000 for a logo because of your reputation, then you should never feel bad about it.
1: Okay. That's another thing I actually picked up on from your book. Is like There was a quote page saying, um, don't ever feel bad about charging just because you love what you do and you're good at it. Which is something I talk about with other creatives all the time that even clients can sometimes pick up on that. And they're usually red flag clients saying, well, why are you charging so much money? Why are you so worried about the money when you love what you do? Yeah. Is that well? Yeah. I'm still trying to make it living. Exactly.
2: <laughs> it. Because this is a business. This is yeah. not this is not me making ceramic pots in my house. I love doing that too. I, I used to love doing that when I was in college, but I don't do that now. But let's say. Let's say it was art. Yeah, I did a post a recently. Hobby. Yeah. I, yeah. I did a post recently about design and art. And sometimes design is art, and that's when we love it. We make up our own stuff, and we design it. And we make it all cool, and make a cool poster. Did you make that thing on your back wall there, Mark? Uh, that that one's Geo Geo Law.
0: I did. Yeah, I did that illustration. Okay, that so
2: one so ones. Mark made that for the fun of it. Everything, mm. is <laughs> Everything is work in progress. Everything is work in progress. He made oh, this no, little. No, that, that was
0: me. Oh, that wasn't no. me? Okay, well let's no, pretend. No, that's Radimlinic but this one has me.
2: <laughs> okay, good. That me, one's not is. designed that's like more bit. art.
0: <laughs> anyway, all right, well let's Got say
2: it. let's say Mark made cool posters for his office and he did design and he did those just as art, just for fun. And that your your compensation is the fun creative expression. But design, what we're talking about here and what your listeners are thinking and doing, design is a business. This is a business. This isn't about making art all the time. This is about making profit. This is, and at the end of the day, a, pro, a business needs to be profitable. You'll have some jobs when you can still do super cool, fun art and make profit on it. You'll have other jobs that you, you the client is a nightmare. They want a unicorn, uh logo for their gas station or whatever i don't know they want some kind of crazy something that you're like this is not a good idea but that's what they want and sometimes you're just going to do it for them because design is a business and you need to make money so you're going to do it for them you're never going to put it in your portfolio you're just going to accept the project and make your money and move on that's design as a business and then every once in a while we get to do design as a business and art when The client wants something super high-end. You're looking at it thinking, this could be an award winner. I'm going to submit this for awards, and I'm going to get get some amazing case study out of this. And the client's still paying me big budget. This is awesome. I love this. This is just every box is checked. Sometimes you get that. So I think a lot of designers get caught up in the idea that... um, Every project needs to be some big, fancy, perfectly done thing when in reality, some projects just need to be sufficient to yield a return for the client and generate profit for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is, this is it. Honestly, this has been an amazing conversation. It really has. Um, Really helpful. It's it's opened opened my eyes up. Uh, Hopefully a lot of people listening as well just it's mm-hmm. just really like yeah it brought a lot of clarity to it all and, and yeah understanding um okay so maybe M- do you have anything else before we go into the last? i did actually have one more question right down oh good
1: um which so mike i'll let you answer this how you want to whether you want it to be pricing related or anything else okay but what do you think the biggest mistake that you see young designers making is
2: uh okay i'll make it pricing related I think the biggest mistake I see young designers making is overcharging for their for the market. And I'll give you an example. I had a, somebody who came in, wanted to freelance for me at my agency. And you'll remember that my agency internal costs were $78 per hour. And this person wanted to charge $75 per hour, and when they were talking i was sitting there thinking okay their hourly rates probably got to be around 40 or 50 bucks an hour and they came in and they went you know higher market value for a freelancer in the us somewhere between 150 or between 75 and 100 dollars an hour are kind of your upper tier freelancers and he wanted to charge as a just graduating student the top market value because he heard somebody say somewhere oh you should be charging $75 an hour well yes if you have experience you've built your reputation you outproduce other people in quality but this person had no experience his quality was okay um he didn't he wasn't he had no relationship with me he had no reputation he had none of the things that were higher on the hierarchy of why people buy. So he had to be playing the price game, but he was trying to play a reputation level game. Yeah, And I think that that's a, that's a mistake that some people hear. They They hear somewhere, you should be charging $10,000 for a logo. And then all of the freelancers all around the world think, what? I'm way undercharging for my work. I gotta be charging $10,000 for a logo. And then they go and bid $10,000 for a logo and their green light percentage becomes zero. And they wander around the world wondering, why am I not green lighting any projects here? <laughs> it's because you're overcharging yeah. for your phase in this industry. So create, create demand by Charging reasonable at the start and increase your prices over time. And yes, mm-hmm. someday you can be charging ten thousand dollars for a logo. But I was happy at my agency making charging sixty three hundred dollars for a logo and making three grand every logo we did in profit. Great business.
1: I'll yeah, take it. definitely. That that makes a lot of sense. So obviously, there's the whole argument that we've had about. Um, making sure that you're pricing enough, but then mm-hmm. your quality and your experience and your relationships and all that have got to warrant that price. You can't just go, right, okay, I'm going to just throw it exactly. right at the top and say, yeah, well, logo people charge logos charge for logos that much. Yeah. So why can't I? When exactly. Actually, no, that's, and you can't because you
2: don't have relationships mm-hmm. in those bigger companies. You don't have reputation. But if you have relationships and reputation, you can start unlocking... The door to these bigger, higher-priced opportunities. There you
0: go.
1: Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. There you go. Wow. Answers my question.
0: Okay. <laughs> so the last couple of things we'd like to say, ask at the end. Um, first of all, what's your best purchase under a hundred dollars?
2: Oh man, my my personal best purchase under a hundred dollars. Can I give yep. you a hundred, a hundred, and this can be anything. Yeah. How about hundred and thirty bucks? A no. hundred and thirty bucks my best purchase are my <laughs> AirPods. Honestly, I use my air I have them in my pocket every day. I don't carry my wallet in my pocket all day long. <laughs> I don't carry my car keys in my pocket all day long, but I always have my phone and my in my AirPods. Oh my gosh, these changed my life. So that's my <laughs> yeah, it I, was I a little more than a hundred dollars, but yeah. What a couple what, of I, days
1: I, probably, Monday.
0: Really? the uh, you your last couple of days?
1: More than that sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Depends. The,
2: the case will charge, give you 24 hours of listening time. So, yeah, if you, and the and the, the headphones themselves are like four or five hours of, of yeah. consecutive listening time. And
1: well, then I don't you put use, them back
2: in the case and mm. they charge up again.
1: Yeah, I don't use mine that often and I actually can't remember the last time I charged them. Like yeah. I don't. Charge them very often. <laughs> then normally, when you get them out, it's like, oh great, they've still got like fifty percent on them.
2: So yeah. here, Mark, this is your assignment. You start charging six hundred and fifty dollars for logos instead of five hundred, and you use the first profit, <laughs> the hundred and fifty dollar difference, you use to buy yourself a
0: pair of AirPods. You know what? You are so commission I, for that. I haven't that. got a pair. I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I haven't got a pair, but um. I recently bought a cheap, not not AirPods, oh. but a skull, you know, Skull Candy, the other brand. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, skull Candy so, is
2: based by me in Salt Lake. They're I, I, they're actually yeah, in I Park mean, City. They're like forty minutes from from where I live. Yeah.
0: So so I've been I've been loyal to Skull Candy for for a number of years, and since um, since being at school, I've had Skull Candy headphones. And so I bought a pair of their their basically earbuds, thinking that'd be amazing. You know, I love the brand, and they they only last about five hours battery life. It's, it's really, oh, really? disappointing. Yeah, yeah, it's so disappointing.
2: This but, is um, it right here for you. Yeah, I'll
0: recommend AirPods, AirPods. AirPods the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one day. Okay. Um, one day <laughs> means next week when you charge six hundred and fifty bucks for a logo. Let's <laughs> hope so. Let's so, hope so, so. Yeah. Um, life advice. Have you got any life advice, Mike? Oh man, my I have so much life advice.
2: uh <laughs> You know, the one that I'm big on right now, and I've been asked this a bunch, and I've shared it a number of times, but. The one that I'm big on is when I had just graduated from university, I was so hungry to grow and I, I chased my career down so hard and intensely and built my agency. And I was just always just so dedicated and into it that I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as I should have. And my life advice, especially for those of you that are just starting your careers, is enjoy, enjoy the whole journey of it all. Enjoy figuring out how to price stuff right now. Enjoy living in your parents' house, Mark, and not having a ton of overhead. And um, enjoy that phase of life because there's gonna come a day when you have bigger overhead, you have a family to feed, you have employees, who knows what it's gonna be in your future. And um, And when you're in that phase, enjoy that phase. But i was always so focused on looking at the next phase and trying to get to the next phase that i didn't enjoy the phase i was in nearly as much as i should have and i'm getting better at that in my life now because i really really love what i'm doing right now and i love getting on podcasts like this with new people all over the world i mean it just, this is the, my favorite of all the things that i'm doing i, I love it and Uh, So I'm getting better at that. But that's life advice. Enjoy. Enjoy all these different phases that you have because your career is long. You're going to have a lot of up moments and a lot of down moments, and there's no way to avoid either of those. So just enjoy the enjoy the flow of it.
1: That's good advice. I like that. Enjoy every moment of it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's good. So the last question we ask on the podcast is how do you want to be remembered?
1: Oh, it's a deep
0: I, one. <laughs> it's a deep one. You know what? I I want, um,
2: I would say that a lot of my drive now, I'm in that kind of trying to build a legacy phase of my career. I built my agency and I had that good run, but I love the idea of leaving a legacy for, so that I am remembered. I think that's my answer. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered. I want to be remembered as somebody who, accomplished things somebody who left left the world better than he found it changed people people for the better that ha- i had an impact on people around the world i want it doesn't i'm not trying to say a million people or five million people or anything i just I've, i feel a lot of value just having an impact on one person at a time i love connecting with these people one person at a time millie and i have had a good connection last few months and it's so it's so valuable to me i love those connections that i'm making i love the idea that i could probably go to almost any city in the in the world and post something and say hey anybody want to get dinner with me and i would have somebody show up that to me is so so massively valuable um and i think that that so this is kind of a little rambly way of saying i just want to be remembered for making a difference for Individual people in their lives. I want to mean something to
0: pe- to individuals. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah. And really I mean, definitely done for us. Yeah, definitely.
1: Cool. Thank you. Definitely accomplishing that one.
0: Good.
2: Thank good. you. Well, it's well, it's my pleasure for sure. Well, this is super fun for me. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I I love doing this kind of stuff for sure. Oh, thank you for All coming on.
1: Honestly, this advice is going to be so useful good. for so many people. I know that it's useful for us too. So good. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully
0: Absolutely. it will be for the listeners too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where can people find you? Check out your stuff and your book. Yes.
2: Um, you can find me Books. at more Janda on Instagram and all other social channels. Um, Michaeljanda.com is my main website. I also have a new suite of courses, freelance with that I just launched a month ago. I don't know when this podcast is going to launch, but um so we're at the beginning of July. I launched it at the beginning of June. So whenever this podcast comes out on your rotation, um, that's another. We're thing. not sure that's, either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's we'll uh, something I'm really proud of as well. So yeah, and connect nice. with me. Send me DMs. Send me emails. I I love to connect with people. Um, I'm easy, easily approachable. Hopefully, people will find that.
0: Lovely. That's it. And we're going to give uh, a couple of books, a couple of your books away as well. So uh, if you're subscribed to the newsletter, you've got a chance of winning. So. Congratulations nice. if you win. Good. Uh, there you go. I'd thank highly you very recommend much for being on the
1: podcast. Them, <laughs> yeah, hey. thank you so much, Mike.
2: Oh, thanks, guys. It was super fun for
0: me. Thank you. You guys made it easy. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. How did you find it, Millie?
1: I found that so useful. To be honest, as a, as a designer, pricing and all things business, to be honest, um, gives me the fear. It's terrifying. I find it really, yeah. really difficult to price myself. And... I've got to say that for a while I've been trying to work out my hourly rate or just pluck an hourly rate out of the air how much I want to be earning and working it out of based off of that but the idea of having those three things the client budget the market value and your production cost to use as a basis and then if you read his book which you know, I'll show it again now which is very good highly recommend it sort of tells you in which different scenarios you should put your price within those three different things within the market value the client budget and the production cost where it should sit in comparison to those numbers and until I'd been introduced to that within this podcast and through reading the book I genuinely thought there was some like secret art to pricing and I've now realized that it's really just a numbers game and it's not that difficult anybody can do it so a bit of practice and hopefully I'll uh, finally get it nailed
0: yeah, I mean, this what this podcast has given me is it's like a, a real grasp on something. If it, it feels like when you when we were doing pricing beforehand, it was just sort of grabbing air. Yeah. Now I really feel like I've got something to go by, and like yeah, if definitely. I do work out these numbers, I've got a solid base. Um, and hopefully, anyone listening has felt that as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, amazing, definitely. amazing. And like like we said in the podcast, we're going to give a couple of books away as well mm-hmm. uh, on the newsletter. So do subscribe to the Creative Waffle newsletter over at CreativeWaffle.club on the website um some cool stuff every week on the newsletter well almost every week um <laughs> just yeah just it's just generally a good newsletter i, I don't want to say we got you got also 15 plus gigabytes of free uh, design resources like thousands of fonts thousands of mock-ups um well i think it's hundreds of mock-ups thousands of fonts and uh graphics packs and textures and all sorts of stuff so do go over there um, and sign up to the newsletter uh, plus, you can find out all of the written stuff, um, all the the show notes for each episode on there as well. Um, we're collecting like a blog post for each episode now, so uh, definitely worth checking those out if you want a quick, easy to read format of each podcast. And uh, yeah, lastly, lastly, which I did notice that people have been doing is uh, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, which is really, really appreciated. And thank you to everyone that has done it so far. Um, cause it does help us get up the rankings and, and really, um, really find new people, find a new audience as well. So. Thank you very much. Please do do that. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the Crazy Waffle podcast.
1: See you next week.